Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning into I Work For Him today. As we're talking today about a subject, boy, I bet you never thought we'd be talking about this on I Work For Him. Today we're going to talk about mental illness. You know, we're surrounded by people all over the workplaces, all over the world, that, you know, that I had to... I had to learn about this. I mean, honestly, this is this is something that I had to ask myself a question. Is mental illness real or is it like demon possession? You know, Jesus healed a lot of people with demon possession. Is, was it mental illness or was it demon possession? Can people with mental illness hold down real jobs? Can mental illness be healed? You know, we're talking today with a former runway model named Leanne Jeffries and a friend of the show, Eva Marie Everson. She helped... Uh, Leanne Jeffries write this book about her story and it's called The Bipolar Experience. Today we're going to really talk about can we, how do we, how should we minister to those in our workplaces that are suffering from some sort of mental illness. And people, when you think of mental illness, you know, I grew up thinking that's crazy people. No, we're talking about people whose brain has actually an illness. So like to make sure that we welcome our guest today. We've got Eva Marie Everson. Eva, are you on the line with us today? Am. I am. How are you? I'm doing very good. Eva, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you. You know, before we bring Leanne into the conversation, I just wanted to ask you, how, how do you think the Lord has been using your writing abilities as an author so far already this year? Well, uh, we just came off of Florida Christian Writers Conference. Um, I'm the director of that with Mark Hancock, and we had our, our greatest numbers this year. I think some of our best faculty. Um, and we just watched as uh, careers, I, I believe writing careers, and these are people who want to write for the kingdom, were, were launched or ignited or uh, reignited, as it were. Um, it, it was just a wonderful time. Uh, mm. I've been spending a lot of time lately doing things like what I did with Leanne's book, and that is helping other writers or people with stories who are not necessarily writers themselves. And it's just well, a place you're God so, has me right now. You're so gifted at that. And, and really, when I read Leanne's book, The Bipolar Experience, I thought, wow, now there was a tough book to write. So you've written so many types of books. What made you say, what, when you heard Leanne's story, what made you say, that's a story I want to help Leanne write? Well, first of all, um, I have a, a, a beloved member of my family who had just been diagnosed with bipolar disorder as well as some other uh, mental health issues and illnesses. And 
uh, had really come to realize how little we know about it, how little we talk about it, and, and, and that when we do talk about it and what we do know about it, we have put such stigma attachments to it um, and that are just simply not true. So I began to see it from a different perspective. I could not tell my family member's story, but I could tell Leanne's story, and oh. she wanted to tell it, but is not a writer. So we were just kind well, of a match you, made in heaven. You, <laughs> you approached me about this and said, Jim, I think this may be something you want to do. What made you think that this was something we need to talk about today on the air? Really quick. Well, because, you know, Leanne was in the modeling world. She was a top model for Eileen Ford for almost two decades. She had worked in it before that, and no one knew that she was as mentally ill as she was and is. And the thing is, is that if they had known, there would have been a completely different story here from her. Right. Leanne Jeffries, welcome to I Work For Him. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Well, it is. Uh, it, I re- when I read your book, I feel like I know you because I read your book, and I and I lived that book with you as Eva Marie did such a great job documenting your story. Why don't you just talk about, you know, as I struggled initially with why should we talk about mental illness on a faith and work show? But then the Lord really revealed to me that this is something we all need to understand. Tell me how you, as you've written the bipolar experiences, it's gotten out there for people to, to read. Tell us how you've seen the Lord work through your obedience to have this book written about your life. Well, ironically enough, you know, you you mentioned already that uh, this was out of your box, that this was something you had to contemplate over. You know, where did mental illness fit in with your radio show? Well, I want you to know that I face stigma all the time, all the time. But some of the most intense stigma I have faced is within the church within believers, within people that were judgmental of me. So I think this is a perfect match for us today. You're, you know, the Word of Christ matched with mental illness and how we can overcome stigma and educate educate people a little bit more, because education is the key. And your story, the bipolar experience, goes back to your dream of being a model. Where did that dream first get planted in your heart? I don't know. From the time I was a little girl, I was a girly girl. I used to dress up, oh, in my Sunday best with my little shoes and lace socks on and hat that tied under my chin and stand in the bedroom and have my daddy take pictures of me. And I loved my my pictures of myself. I mean, I would put them on my mirror. It sounds crazy, but I loved fashion. And I'm sure that's where it originated from. So you were married young, and you had two kids almost right away, and that's when your life took a really drastic turn. What happened? Well, I'm not real sure what happened. I was the patient, so it was hard for me to explain how my mind went, went, left me, and a new one came in, made its home in the home where my old mind was, and it was full of chaos, and it was full of evil, and it was full of 
sin, and it was it was not a godlike mind. There was something terribly, terribly wrong with me. And as far as what triggered it, um, it's hereditary that that I'm adopted. But uh, they did some research that it could have come from my grandfather. I'm not sure where, how it landed in my head, but it did, and it was extremely serious. Now, when you were growing up, did you know that there was something going on, that, that you had some, some mental issues, or did, was that the first time that it happened as a, uh, a, as a young mom? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was adopted. I think that, you know, kind of hung with me a lot, so to speak. I was very close to my grandmother because in her eyes, I was the same as the other children. Uh, so I think that was one thing. But honest to goodness, if I look back on it, I never, ever would have would have thought in a million years that I would have faced the challenge that I had lying ahead of me. We're talking about mental illness today and why on I Work For Him, we try to tackle topics that help you and I to be better, more effective ministers for Christ in our workplaces. And we need to understand all types. We've talked about all different kinds of things. But as Leanne said in the, in, in the last segment, the church, the body of Christ really struggles with this whole idea behind mental illness because we think people are just crazy. They're doing something naughty. But we never think about the fact that the brain might be sick. And that's something that we're going to dig through today. We've got Leanne Jeffries on the line, who wrote the book, who wrote the story through alongside Eva Marie Everson, a longtime I Work For Him fan who's also written other books that we've highlighted. Eva Marie, as you wrote this book for Leanne Jeffries, as you helped her put her story down, have you ever had a story so disconnected that you had to put it all together because it's not like this was a <laughs> chronological story from one end to the other this is it jumps no. all over the place right well when leanne first started telling me the story and and it was bouncing you know back and forth and and a lot of times she would say well i don't remember that part because of the shock treatments and and different things like that and i realized that this really is the mind of a bipolar patient that their lives don't come chronologically to them so they're not going to tell the story in order as it happened. And then what better way to tell the story, therefore, than to tell it as it was coming out of Leanne. So we, we take you like back and forth in this journey um, through Leanne's story exactly the way she would have told it to me. And it is very effective. I enjoyed the book. It was, you know, I don't not much for you know a runway model kind of deal, but I, I enjoyed the book because it was a story, and it and it and the Lord was the center of that story. And Leanne, that's probably what I like most about your story is that in all of this, your faith came back. You knew that you were a Christ follower. You knew that this wasn't. I mean, people accused you of being demon possessed, didn't they? I mean, didn't people attack you and say, "Hey, this is this is a spiritual thing." Oh yeah, and I thought that myself. I thought, how could how could this be happening if I if there weren't demons? Because it was terrible thoughts. It was things that I couldn't go to heaven for. As you well know, it was about blasphemy. It was about it was about hurting, you know, hurting other people. I mean, terrible, terrible thoughts. My preacher, my psychiatrist, had to remove me from church. 
for about six to seven months, which just killed me because I went to church every Sunday. But that's the way it was. I had, then of course I had my erratic behavior, um, however you would call it, indiscretions. And I thought, how could a Christian, how could, because I was, I was so pure. I mean, pure in that I was pure. You know, and then I went from zero to 60, and my behavior was harmful and destructive and dangerous. It was so dangerous the way I was acting out. It was terrible, Jim. It was just terrible. When you got the diagnosis that you were bipolar, did you think your modeling career was over? Jim, I thought my life was over. I I was put on a suicide watch. As soon as I got to the psychiatric unit, they had a suicide watch room ready for me, you know, because I was exhibiting signs of, you know, self-destruction. But I I really did. I didn't see how I was ever going to come out of that. But it was the funniest thing. I never one time lost my faith. And, And I don't know how God did that, you know. I mean... He knew I was really sick, but he also knew I had a needed a light to shine somewhere in my life, and he just shone himself into my heart. And even on the worst days, I'd look out the window and talk to him. Well, that was and, in the psychiatric. That was in the psychiatric hospital. Yeah, and that was in the proverbial padded room, right? I mean, that was where you couldn't. Hurt oh, yourself. oh, that's where I went right, right on. I mean. From one door to the other. It was horrible. It was terrible. Yeah. What I loved about how Eva Marie wrote your story is is that she really, she encapsulated the love story between you and Kenneth. That Kenneth, oh. through all of this, never left your side. Talk to us Talk to us about your husband, because you didn't always treat your husband very well. You're exactly right. And, of course, that was the illness acting out. Now, Kenneth knew me well enough to know that there was something terribly wrong with me, but he didn't have a name for it. I mean, my family doctor couldn't couldn't help me, but he talked to my preacher, and we he got the name of a uh, psychiatrist, Dr. Charles Hurley, the finest in the Southeast, and uh, Kenneth got me an appointment. And he, Dr. Hurley, he explained to Kenneth what was going on and that I couldn't have my actions. And Kenneth just tried to, every time Kenneth got to where he was losing patience with me, he would always remember, this is an illness. My wife is very sick. My doctor always said she's a sick young girl. You know, she's a very sick girl. So that's, that's one way he did it, that in prayer. Prayer, Jim. Well, okay, so let's say there's couples out there right now that are dealing with the same thing you and Kenneth dealt with, because that is often the case. But not everybody knows. I mean, I honestly, that is the first time I ever got a layman's description of what bipolar really was. And honestly, the first time I'd ever heard anybody discuss mental illness. And even Marie, you did such a great job writing about this because I'm a simple guy. I'm not a guy that's got a doctorate or a master's degree. I got a bachelor's degree and I was really grateful to get it. So, <laughs> so, to, so to be able to understand 
mental illness from a perspective because I have I have been one of those people, Leanne, and I'm sorry. I have been one of those people that has probably been judgmental towards people who have mental illness, thinking that it was maybe it was satanic, or but yeah. never understanding that a brain could be sick just like a the rest of the body could be sick. But Eva Marie, have you ever written a, a, a book about something so technical, but you had to write it at an eighth grade level? <laughs> well, um, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> but, you know, I wrote uh, two books with my daughter. One was called Sex, Lies, in the Media, and one was called Sex, Lies, in High School. And it was our attempt to wake up parents uh, who just thought, oh, my kid goes to church, my kid is fine. And, you know, there's things that go on in youth groups that would probably turn the hair of every teenage you know, uh, the parent of every teenager gray before their time. Um, and so, you know, we really try to just lay that out on the line as well. You know, it's like, this is just the way it is. We're not going to try to overcomplicate things. I think with Leanne's story, though, you know, if, if you can't tell, uh, Leanne is from the South, and uh, she's got that lovely Alabama twang, and uh, she has this remarkable way of, of phrasing things. So she'll say things like, you know, Kenneth and I went together like peas and carrots. You know, it just kind of reminds you of the Forrest Gump kind of of, of um, <laughs> uh, l- lyrical speech. And, and she's got these really funny um, cliches that the way she uses them, it, it just it just makes you laugh. But But when you hear her speak like that, she's just speaking from her heart. So all I had to do was capture that that little accent that she has and and capture the words. I mean, I filmed her. I didn't just sit down and take notes. I was filming Leanne. And then I just mm. came back and I and I just put it on paper. I mean, I didn't copy it verbatim, but I just took the essence of what is Leanne. There's no need to complicate this. Well, yeah, this you could not complicate it. Yeah, couldn't have, you couldn't have taken this down in dictation because of where the story jumps all over the place. It would drive any <laughs> any writer crazy because <clears throat> not sorry that now there you go. I just used that word. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, but but know, because because it's our, all our over the place. Yeah. Can I tell you? Our publisher says that in his in his mind. Every one of his authors is slightly mentally ill. He says Leanne's just the only one who admits it. <laughs> well, that may be. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Hey, today we're talking with Leanne Jeffries. She's written this book with the author Eva Marie Everson called The Bipolar Experience. And at I Work For Him, we're talking about this because I think as Christ followers, we really need to understand a proper perspective on mental illness. And honestly, if I was as ignorant as I was going into reading this book, there's probably a ton of other people out there, and that's why we're doing the show today. You know, uh, Leanne, I want to talk about your marriage because, you know, Martha and I, as we host this show so many times a week together, we didn't get to do it today, but we are proponents of marriage. We know that people have to get through some really tough stuff, but speak to that couple out there right now that may be dealing with the surprise of mental illness, and, and because Kenneth... He never left your side because he understood you were sick. Not that you were sick in the head, but that you were truly fighting a disease, not unlike cancer or some other kind of a, a, a disease of, of an organ. Speak to that. Well, you know, you have to educate yourself. You have to have an education in mental illness. Once you understand the severity of the disease, it, 
mental illness is like anything else. It comes, it can come in stages or of severity, you know, 10 being the most severe. Mine is a 10. And it, so it all depends if you're bipolar and you're experiencing the blues, quote unquote, and you, you get teary eyed and weepy. Well, then you can go to the doctor and get an antidepressant and your husband can lovingly put his arm around you, you know, pamper you, that kind of thing. But in cases like mine, there has to be a huge amount of understanding, you know, of, and education is the key. Education and a good position to sit down and explain that what's going on within the frame, that these neurotransmitters that fire shots, everybody's brain has neurotransmitters, and they all they fire shots. Ache, when uh, a neurotransmitter A fires a shot, B catches it. When C fires a shot, D catches it, and so on and so forth. But in my mind, if A fires a shot, Q will catch it. If B fires a shot, X will catch it, and so on and so forth. It's brain scrambling is what I have and brain chaos. And so my brain is automatically not going to act the same. My Mm. husband came home from work two days ago and found me wailing helplessly on the couch because I couldn't control myself. I was sick. I I was in terrible pain. So there's a lot involved in this illness, Jim. All right, so here's a question for you, Eva Marie. Okay, so how hard was it to write this book about someone's life that was so scattered, so disconnected, some complete blocks of memories completely missing? How hard was it to write that book? You know what, this this was not hard to write at all. Um, And I think for one thing is because I've said to Leanne before, I believe that when God created her heart, he saved the pattern for mine. Um, I I just, my heart and hers beat together, and it is a true friendship that developed uh, because of this illness. (laughs) Excuse me, I, I don't, you know, I don't know that Leanne and I would have met each other had it not been for this illness. So for that, I'm grateful. Um, and you know what, when you love someone, you, you listen to that heartbeat and you're able to, um, decipher it and then you're able to tell its story. And it's that simple. Leanne, why don't we just help our listeners as we talk about your book, The Bipolar Experience, why don't you describe for us just, just as easily as you can, what, how is it somebody could be recognized? What, how do, what does it mean to be bipolar? I mean, how do people know if they're dealing with somebody who's bipolar? Well, other than if if someone disclosed that, you know, and I'm a yappy person, and I'll <laughs> tell, you know, I'll just tell anybody I'm bipolar, honey. It doesn't bother me any in the least. But for those of, that don't feel as comfortable, that are they're carrying a lot of shame. They're carrying a lot of guilt. And it's because of stigma. It's because of stigma. And the way they feel because of the way they've been shunned, the way they look down upon, and they don't want people to know that. And it really makes the illness worse for them. But if you notice someone's behavior is noticeably erratic, 
erratic, and it, it noticeably changes from like one maybe before lunch they're five and they're just yip yapping away, you know, going a mile a minute. And then they come back from lunch and their their eyes are red. They've been weeping. They they're not sure what's going on. They need a shoulder to cry on. Um, I can tell instantly when somebody's bipolar. They get manic, and that means they just fly around like they've got a propeller on their back end. I mean, they they just only know one stop, one speed, and that's extra high. And it's very easy to me to spot that because I can I can sympathize, not just sympathize, I can empathize with these people. And so for me, if I wasn't bipolar, mine is so obvious, you know, I mean, anybody can tell something's not right. I don't like when people tell me I got a screw loose. Now, I'm not down with that. But... You can certainly see that I'm a very flamboyant personality. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I don't know when to say when at times. And when I see other people like that, well, then I have to uh, see plants in my mind. Well, maybe they're bipolar. Well, and it's it's, as you described in the book, and I... I just love the descriptions because you helped me understand it so much better and got rid of some of that judgmentalness that I had in my head towards people with mental illness. As you described it, you described not only the major highs, but also the, the, the highs are higher and the lows are lower. So it's not, not manic, always high. I like it. You said a propeller driving them, but also the lows are really low too, correct? Oh yeah. They can. And the, um, epitome or the, Worst-case scenario of the lows, and I won't even call them lows. I'm calling the, the black hole, the depths of, the, of depression, is, of course, suicide. So the lows, that's just a very mild way of putting... Some people do have lows, but again, some people have clinical depression, and that's much different. And mm-hmm. those people are not to be played with. They're to be taken very seriously. Just like when I was put on suicide watch three times, I was showing very strong symptoms of self-destruction. So I had to be watched 24 hours a day. Um, but how and, does a family, I got I to ask this question, Leanne, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but how does a family member, how does a friend know when enough is enough and you need to, something needs to be done in order to protect yourself and maybe them too? I mean, how, how do they know when... When to pull that trigger? And, you know, in today's world, I've heard the term Baker acting. Is that what you're talking about? Or is it is it something different where you get help? Well, now, are you asking me if what you should do if you find, if you suspect someone is bipolar? Or Well, when, when somebody seems, you mentioned that, that Kenneth really felt like you could be a danger to yourself, and he sought you, got you medical help, took you to that clinic out there on wherever it was, I can't remember the name of it now, but to see that doctor, how does a, a family member know when that's the next step? Well, I was I was very verbal when I meant what I was saying. I said what I meant. I meant what I said. When I said I, was, I wasn't going to live throughout the day, he knew when I tried to jump out of a car that we were driving, which I did, 
continue uh, when I would try and hurt myself. He knew, you know, there were so many telltale signs of okay. of suicide. So, but let me reiterate again, that was me. You know, every case of bipolar disorder is different. Had I not had the case I had, there'd be no book to be written. Right. Right, no. And I want to thank our listeners, Nancy from Seminole and Barbara from Largo, for calling in. Thanks for listening to I Work For Him. Thanks for calling in and getting the book. We'll get those books out to you here very, very shortly. Eva Marie, as you were writing this book, as you had the privilege to take this story and put pen in hand and put it down, um, how? what did, yes, I, 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 I know you'd like that. What were you hoping that this book would accomplish? Number one, to, to help stop the stigma of mental illness, um, uh, that people would stop saying, oh, he's just crazy, or she's a Fruit Loop, or whatever, and start saying, okay, there, there absolutely must be something wrong. We treat mental illness differently than we treat any other illness. I got a call two weeks ago from my brother. He said, I've got malignant cancer. Do you think I would have looked at him and said, oh, you're just a Fruit Loop. You're just crazy. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. You scare me. No, I jumped in my car and I went up, you know, to Georgia and I became a part of the of the care team for him and and we should do the same thing. It's as simple as this. The brain needs a pill. The brain needs a pill. And we have to stop you know labeling this as oh she's a nut or he's a fruit loop. We just simply have to because the the fact of the matter is and Leanne's book proves this. You can achieve your life dreams. You can have what you always dreamed of having. You can have a family. You can have a home. You can have a life. You can go to work every day and still be mentally ill or have a mental illness. It can still happen. And she's the proof of that. And that's the beauty of the story. As we talk today with Leanne Jeffries, who had her book written by Eva Marie Everson called The Bipolar Experience. Leanne, as you, you, you got your dream job. You got a chance to model with the, well, I'll let you tell it. You, you always wanted to be a model, and there was a specific modeling agency that you wanted to be with. What was the name of that agency? The most powerful one in the world, the Eileen Ford Modeling Agency. The corporate office was in New York City. Um, they had offices in Paris, Milan, California, Florida, Greece. They had one in Greece, Buenos um, Aires. But... I wanted, and, and whoever thought, standing in front of a window with a hospital gown on with little bitty dots and prints on it, tied in the back, my hair just straight, no makeup on, usually my eyes were red from crying. Somebody standing out that window looking looking outside would, would it, to go to the world's most powerful modeling agency, Modeled with celebrities. I mean, be be known in New York. You know, I was just known. And to go from point A to point B, there is nobody could have could have done that but the grace of God. Nobody. God stood with me. You know, the other people, even my preachers, looked down on me sometimes. And but God, He just loved me. He didn't care what was wrong with me. He just loved me. And I think, too, the bottom line is that her family did. Her family strove to understand the illness and not just put her away. 
they strove to find an answer, and that's the key. Well, and it's powerful in the way you describe that in the, the book. Now, Leanne, how many years were you a model for the Eileen Ford Modeling Agency? Almost 20. And during those years, you were traveling a lot. I mean, you lived a pretty crazy life. You weren't, and you weren't 16 when you did this either. I mean, this wasn't, no, you, no. You, you, you didn't get to do this, this modeling career as a, you know, 18 year old. No, you, no, no, you, no, no, no. I was 42 years old when I signed my contract with Ford. Um, and I just got on a jet. And <laughs> that's another thing about the bipolar, Jim. Who does that? Who just gets on a jet and flies to New York and has an interview with the Ford modeling agency. I've never heard anybody who did that. But my, my mind was just, I was a superwoman in my head. That was the part of the, could I work in a doctor's office? Heavens, no. Could I work anywhere nine to five? Heavens, no. But you put me in New York City and the world of fashion where there are so many people with my personality, flamboyant, over the top, you know, now I was able to do that. And able to get some of the most beautiful print work. Um, I was a print model, not a runway model. And I was able to get it because I was so out there. I mean, it makes no sense, I know, but it makes a lot of sense to God because he planned the whole thing out. Well, and you before that point in time, you'd already been married to Kenneth for a very long time. And, oh, yeah. And oh, you yeah. guys... How did how did your career, along with your disease, impact your marriage as you spent almost 20 years uh, as a model? Oh, he was so proud of me because he, he was the only one. Let me insert something. You asked me uh, a little while ago, you know, how Kenneth reacted to me, how Kenneth held on and would understand my illness. Well... I also had to have a support system, and he had to get to that point so I would have a support system, and he did beautifully. And to this very day, he's my support system. He's in mm-hmm. the other room now with the door shut, listening to everything, everything I say. <laughs> I mean, he, he is my, but he, he was just so proud of me. I did the covers of magazines and all in magazines and posters and go to London, go to Scotland. And, you know, for a a girl with a bipolar disorder to go from JFK to Heathrow to Glasgow, I mean, he just just couldn't get over it. He still came. Well, and and your faith... She she didn't always need a plane, you know, so it was cheap. Oh, no, I could have held out my arms, honey, and taken off. I mean, I could have taken off. I had you're... diesel in my fuel. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you have to add a little gasoline and flame the diesel for it to really be explosive. <laughs> That's right. So, so how did your faith come into play in all of this? Because you never lost your faith through all of this. Never, about, never, never. Got, got about I 30 never. seconds to the break. Just talk about how your faith held you and Kenneth together and held your mind together to the point where you got through all those years as a model. We went to church. We went to church. I taught Sunday school. I was the head of the children's choir. I mean, he he was the vice president of the children's choir, finance chairman. We were always there, and the family that prays together does stay together. I'm here to tell you. 
Leanne, you've had the opportunity to share your story, to draw attention to mental illness around the country and around the world to show people that people with mental illness can still have a job. You've been able to show that you could still keep your faith. You've been able to help people understand that this is not demonic possession, that this is people, that, that your brain actually has a disease. I mean, Leanne, the Lord could have taken it all the way. He could have healed your brain to make it perfect. But he's used you to tell a story that so many thousands of people, millions, needed to hear. How does that feel? Oh, it feels great. And, I, you know, it makes all that suffering I did, that was a part of the plan. You know, I had my life had a purpose. God knew about it. You know, and it was all, all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle came together, you know, and, and the last piece was this book. And once this book was completed, my puzzle was done. And everything that God wanted me to do, now he likes, he wants me to talk to other people. And I give speeches and, believe it or not, and that kind of thing. You know, I'm on the radio talking to people about bipolar disorder and even to educate people like you. You know, well, I- where you don't read the book and say, Oh, my gosh, how could she? You know what I mean? And I don't blame people that do. You know, well, I'm, what what I want, Leanne, let's help some of those listeners today that, that, that just need some advice. Advice like, okay, um, how do we treat somebody that is struggling with mental illness? And, and are there boundaries, things that we should never say? I mean, tell, help us to understand how to interact with you if we see that you're, yeah, there's something different there. We're not sure what it is. Well, I think it it all depends on if you know they're mentally ill or not. If you know they're mentally ill, you expect these types of behavior. You expect depression. You expect mania. And you know when someone's having a bad day. And you can lend a hand of support. You know, just let them know that you care. A pat on the shoulder. You know, that kind of thing. Just show some type of comforting gesture. Well, you went uh, uh, you went most of the years as a model, never telling your boss that you had a mental illness. Is that what you rec- is? Do, do, would you recommend that today that people not tell their bosses? Well, my psychiatrist tells me, you know, to tell people that I'm comfortable with that I work that I'm around, you know, but. But he also says it's not anybody's business. But I think that if you're in the workplace, Monday through Friday, that I won't say you owe it to people. I don't want to say that. But it's helpful. And it's helpful to you if you share your bipolar disorder. You'd be surprised how sympathetic people are. Oh, I I would not. When you've got an illness that has more numbers, than all the major illnesses combined. I mean, you take heart disease, lung disease, et cetera. They don't add up to the numbers of mental, mental illness. So chances are you can't swing a bat in your office and not hit someone whose life is not affected by mental illness. That's just not, the truth of it. Once you start talking about it, you bats. find out you're all on the same boat. Right. Right. Well, and really, when we look at the the degradation of the DNA since the garden, and, and there, we've got so much that's going on in our bodies that God didn't intend, but because of sin, sin it, 
Jesus came to restore all things. This is part of the DNA needs to be restored. Leanne, I'm going to just give you 30 seconds. Speak to those people that are listening out there that are struggling with mental illness. Give them some encouragement. Yes, I, I would encourage anyone with mental illness to understand that to rise, I, I compare it to an ocean. Uh, the ocean before a storm can get very choppy. It's very dark. The waves are frightening. Uh, people drown in the ocean when it's rough like that. An undercurrent can get you and take you under and not bring you back. But the thing is, uh, with a, along with a storm at the ocean, you, you're going to have sunlight very soon. And you're going to have to learn to ride these waves in times of trouble, to ride the waves, and the waters will smooth out, and a uh, brighter day will come around the horizon. But Amen to that. Eva Marie Everson and Leanne Jeffries, thanks for coming on iWork for him today and sharing the story. Thanks, Leanne, for sharing your story, the bipolar experience. Thanks, you guys, so much for being on the air with us today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Hey, as we come to the end of another iWork for him show, take heart at this. Check this out, the bipolar experience. Get a copy if you're curious about it. Read it and really start to look at how you can minister to those around you who are struggling with mental illness. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for him.